0: Hello and welcome to the Maiden to Mother podcast. My name is Natalie Bailey and I'm thrilled you're here. Transitioning from the youthful years of maidenhood to the divine role of motherhood is an arduous journey, one of transformation, of growth, of beauty, and of chaos. In this space, we connect with women and professionals to hear their personal and witnessed experiences of women taking this amazing journey from maiden to mother.
1: Okay, so I am beyond excited today to be talking with a woman who has inspired me on more levels than I think I could ever quantify and uh, explain. Um, Kelsey Sorensen Blaine yoga, whatever we're going to call you, Mm -hmm. um, is just a goddess of the most unique kind. And um, gosh, where do we even go with all that you offer to the world, Kelsey? Mm -hmm. This woman um, is uh, in yoga therapy right now, I know for a fact, yes? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, and is a tremendous yoga instructor. She has been my personal spiritual coach. She offers one-on-one mentorship for so many things. She has been my Reiki teacher. Um, I mean, it's just astounding, and we are so blessed to have you in our world, Kelsey, for so many women, and uh, being given the opportunity this morning to talk with you is nothing short of an honor on my end here. So thank you so much for joining uh, me. And I'm so excited to hear your uh, Maiden to Mother story.
2: Mm, thanks, Natalie. It's a really an honor to connect with you in this way and to see the way that our relationship has transformed over the years and witnessing each other's rites of passage and see to be able to see what we've each done with what nuggets of wisdom and gifts that we've gleaned from those rites of passage has been really exciting and heartwarming. So I'm grateful. I'm
1: grateful for this. Oh, me too. Me too, Mama. So, okay. So let's dive in because I have a feeling that your maiden to mother journey is going to be a delicious and juicy one. So mm-hmm. um, share with uh, myself and our other sisters and brothers listening, um, what do you feel like uh, your unique and individual Maiden to Mother journey uh, has looked like? Mm. So for me
2: personally, I believe that we each are continually going through these different rites of passage that, that grow us and pull from us these different qualities. And for me, I really felt like I started to step into motherhood through my first pregnancy. Um, when I was 19 years old, I was diagnosed with type 2 bipolar disorder. And very shortly after that diagnosis, in a hypomanic state, I found myself pregnant with um, a child from my boyfriend at the time. Um, we were Young lovers, and it was pretty um, kind of Romeo and Juliet esque mm-hmm. in that we had known each other for a couple of years, but I had dated his best friend actually. So our relationship was secret,
0: <laughs> and
2: that um, the nature of that relationship being um, kind of in the dark, and then. Becoming pregnant, there was a lot, there was a lot for me emotionally and psychologically that was coming to the surface. Mm. Um, So I wrestled because, to be honest, at that time in my life, I was a little cavalier about pregnancy. Um, I was kind of risky in the choices that I made as far as safe sex practices. And I just had an an idea that if i had ever become pregnant that i wouldn't have the baby and so here i was in reality confronted with pregnancy and i felt so differently about it um i feel like there was a bit of divine intervention because when i dis- when i discovered i was pregnant i immediately started making phone calls trying to get an appointment um, at a clinic because I thought that I wanted to terminate the pregnancy and it wasn't possible. I kept running into obstacles. Mm. And so after about two weeks of living in this confusion and uncertainty, I found, I found a, a birth clinic type of place that, um, wasn't an abortion clinic. And I ended up meeting some women that talked to me about their stories and I had an ultrasound and saw the heartbeat of my unborn child and I really felt in that moment a connection to the divine. Um, I like to use the word God to describe my relationship with the creator. Mm. And I felt in that moment this knowing this peace deep within me of how miraculous um the initiation of life really is and who was I to inter, intervene at that point. So I felt a trust and a surrender and a faith that if this life was meant to be, that I would be held and I would be guided along my way. And so in a lot of ways, I feel like that moment of surrender was, was a big threshold that I crossed where mm-hmm. I decided to put my trust and my faith in something greater than myself because I knew that the odds of me becoming a single mother had just increased and that if I were to take on this child that I was taking on motherhood without a guarantee of partnership, not that we ever have that guarantee, but I was really in touch with that reality. And I, I made the decision that I was going to, I was going to nurture this life within me and I was going to open myself up completely without any reservations to what the journey would bring and interestingly it brought a lot of peace and it brought a lot of um, groundedness where I had prior to my pregnancy you know, with the ups and downs of my mood disorder had been really chaotic. And then during this pregnancy, there was an evenness, a smoothness, like, like I had stepped into a Sattvic flow Mm -hmm. of my pregnancy hormones. And I, I felt super connected to my body and myself in a way that I, I never had before. And I ended up marrying the father of my oldest daughter and, That was a challenge considering the circumstances, and it ended up being for the best that we got a divorce when my daughter was about a year and a half, and then I really was a single mom, and that experience taught me so much about motherhood. Um, To me, being mother is a lot about creating a container. Um, a container of safety and understanding. And I was able to pull qualities out of myself that I didn't know existed. I didn't know that being such a deep feeling, highly sensitive person that I could be incredibly resilient. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that I had the, um, fortitude to walk through really gut-wrenching pain, pain of, of the loss of my marriage and the relationship with that man, um, the pain and of the fear of not knowing how I was going to provide for myself and my child, the, the pain of seeing what my life had become when I thought it was going to be something else and just grieving the fantasy that I had grown up. Thinking that marriage and children was going to be. So to watch myself honor and feel all the feelings, to feel the sadness, to feel the fear, and also to feel the joy that my daughter brought, I was, I really had the opportunity to stand back and look at myself and see my own strength for the first time in my life. And it, It changed the level of fear that I have to this day. So now, as I approach scary things, um, as I come to terms with the uncertainty of life that really nothing is guaranteed, nothing is promised, there is an underlying peace within me that I trust that I am, even when I'm alone in Motherhood or even when I'm alone facing my emotions or experiencing things in my inner world that I'm always being supported by a power greater than myself and I'm being guided towards the highest good for me and for the people I love. So I think my journey, my transition from maiden to mother, really if it was boiled down to a word, It would be faith that I grew roots that anchor me in any storm. And although I get afraid and although I, I still make failed efforts at controlling the way that my (laughs) life pans out, I do have a, a certainty that all is well. And mm-hmm. that has been something that has carried me through. And I know Natalie, um, you were with me as I birthed my second daughter. Yes. And that song played and I got to sing it is well with my soul as I brought her into this world. And it makes me emotional because it really mm-hmm. was a, um, it was a culmination having a second chance at marriage. To my current husband and having an another opportunity to experience pregnancy and to experience birth having walked through what I walked through with my first child being anchored in that faithfulness that certainty Mm -hmm. that that it is well with my soul on the surface I might be hurting on the surface I might be afraid and things are are going differently than I want them to go but deep within. Regardless, it is well with my soul, and I would say that to me that's what that's what my transition to motherhood really means
1: mm. oh, Kelsey, I have to like absorb all of that <laughs> 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 that is, that was an absolutely beautiful beautiful uh we'll just call it a share because I think that that's it wasn't a story that was just uh you really allowed us to see the unraveling of yourself and the rebuilding of yourself through that. So, um, uh, thank you for that. That was amazing. Um, I have, Oh man, I don't even, don't even know where to start with the, <laughs> that, that you shared. Um, okay. One thing that you said was that becoming a mother made you realize that you were a container of safety and understanding. Um, Tell me more about what that looks like for you in your everyday life with your with your family.
2: Yeah. So I I grew up in um, a religious cult and it really affected me in a lot of ways. Um, It affected how I felt about um, myself and other people and their behavior and what was right and what was wrong was very black and white. And um, even my relationship with my own mother um, and father, it felt very much that in order to be loved, in order to be accepted, there were conditions that had to be met. And now as a mother, I feel like the, the most profound gift that I can give my children, that I can give my husband, that I can give myself and all of the people that I in, encounter on a daily basis is really the ability to see them for who they are without imposing my will for how they ought to behave, how they ought to feel, how they ought to talk. How they ought to treat me. Um, but to really suspend my own ideas of rightness mm. and to have the, the humility to, to witness them, to witness the experience they're having, to witness their, their strengths and their limitations and to celebrate all of it and in creating a container for it. For me, what that looks like is even just in dialogue, allowing space to make eye contact to be silent in my absorption of what's going on in their heart so if my daughter has um really strong feelings about something that I don't agree with or that I don't understand why she can't calm down or (laughs) it's not that big of a deal but the reality is that for her, it is a big deal, right. and so you know, if we arrive on time to dance in Thea's world, that's an anxiety attack. Like mm-hmm. it is not okay to arrive on time for dance. We need to be at least fifteen minutes early to dance. But <laughs> in Kelsey's world, being being five minutes late's on time. You that's know? A and so for me, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so so rather than, um, you know. Look at her sideways for why, why are you anxious that we're on time to dance to, to suspend my own ideas for that moment to allow her the space to share that it, it's in that anxiety inducing for her that what brings her comfort is to arrive early so that she can settle in and she can regulate her nervous system in that way by, by feeling like she has the time and space to breathe and to prepare and to not feel rushed. And, you know, so she's 10 and that's what it looks like a lot right now is, is ceasing the, the calm downs or the don't be upset, or there's no need to cry those kinds of phrases that I think unintentionally from a, from a place of, of an, of a desire to love our children, we try to coach them to calm down or we try to coach them out of their upset.
0: Mm. But
2: what I found is really helpful. And I learned it because I needed it was, is to simply be with whatever my 10 year old is experiencing. And in doing with what my 10-year-old self was experiencing and when I felt really upset and it wasn't allowed. It wasn't allowed to be deep feeling. It wasn't allowed to be upset. It was corrected. It was reprimanded. And now in, in allowing that space for my own child, I get to feel that for the maiden in me that desperately wanted to be heard and she didn't want anyone to fix it. She just wanted to be held. And so for me, a lot of containment for my children and my husband, it looks like physical affection. It looks like holding. It looks like hair stroking, um, to just hold physically and metaphorically whatever feeling they're experiencing and to bear witness to it without imposing.
1: I uh, absolutely love that. So are you saying, Kels, that you never uh lose it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. My daughter, Thea, she's so uh precocious and articulate <laughs> and expressive. And she could tell you all about me losing my temper. Um, <laughs> but what she would tell you? is, um, you know, she would say, sometimes my mom gets mad and, um, sometimes she even yells, but, but then she always apologizes and she always listens to me. And so, you know, it's been cool to approach this kind of preteen age with her. Especially because I have a toddler at the same time, and so I get to quite the difference. Yeah, yeah, and I get to take what I'm learning from my ten year old, and being able to see into her world a little bit more because she has the vocabulary to paint that picture for me.
0: Yeah,
2: uh, I get to see into her world, and then I get to implement the things that she's taught me with Ginny, with my toddler. And Thea's made it really clear to me that she does not. Resent me, um, or hold against me my, my bad behavior. Mm. And there's a couple times that I can think about. And she was actually telling my mother-in-law's story about this time that she, Thea told a lie when she had just gotten in trouble for telling a lie. And my husband told her, Thea, if you lie again, you're not going to go see your dad for Christmas. Mm. And so I'm sitting in this place like, Oh my God, you just, put that on the table. I don't want to pull the trigger on that. I don't want to take away, you know, so I'm sitting between a rock and a hard place here where my husband has put a line in the sand and then my daughter crossed the line and I was infuriated because I didn't know what to do. And so I, I yelled at her and, you know, said things like, what's wrong with you? You know, that kind of that kind of attack. And then she started crying. And then I told her, don't you dare cry, <laughs> you know? And it was just this, it's, it's laughable at this point, right? Cause this is probably six years ago. Of course. of course. Um, and so in hindsight, it's just ridiculous, but in the moment the fury just rises from within to this level that's uncontainable. <laughs> and so, um, but she was telling that story to my mother-in-law and she said it with a smile on her face and calm in her body. And she said, yeah, you know, my mom, she got really mad. And then she was mad at me for crying. And so I didn't really know what to do because I was scared because everything I was doing was just making her more mad. But then she calmed down and we hugged and, and, you know, and so to hear her be able to tell a story of the repair, Mm -hmm. Because I know that I'm going to have ruptures in all of my relationships. But primarily, as a mom, I feel like all of my shortcomings are front and center as a mother. And so the ruptures, they're easier. It's easier for me to lose my cool with my children than it is for me to lose my cool in front of other adults. And so my ability to repair those ruptures has to be equally developed. And I've spent a lot of time um, navigating conversations with Thea, uh, behaviors with Thea, uh, making right the, the ruptures so that we can carry on. And as far as I know, not a single outburst or losing my cool Remains a barrier between me and Thea. And that I feel really proud of that we've always been able to articulate that Thea, it is not okay. No matter how angry I am, it's never okay for someone to yell at you like that. Mm -hmm. And it is my responsibility to calm my body. And if I need to calm my body by having some space, then next time I'm going to have some space or I'm Mm going to use my breath. And now she watches me. And I make requests for, you know, Thea, I need to go in my room for five minutes and I'm going to do some breathing and I'm going to come back out and then we're going to talk, you know, so she, she's gotten to watch me grow up. I mean, I'm, I'm a decade older, I'm 30 years old now and Mm -hmm. she doesn't have the same mom that she had before and to let her in a, in a way contain Provide a container and a mirror for me is really profound. And I think that that is, um, by design. I think it's by design that our children, if we allow them to in an appropriate way, have the ability to mirror and to contain us as we continue to grow. We grow up. We be, I've, I have become an adult in motherhood. I wasn't an adult when I became a mom. And so my my daughter has gotten to see that. And there's downsides and there's parts that feel kind of embarrassing, mm-hmm. but the but the truth is I'm really proud of it. I'm proud that she's gotten to see me grow up.
1: And I mean what like you said, what an absolutely immense gift to give your daughter of what it what it can truly look like to transition into you know this role we call adulthood you know and and how a rite of passage is not just instantaneous and something that um you know that is i don't know something that is inherent that we just automatically do you know what I mean right. it is a process it is a journey it is a constant unveiling of you know, preconceived notions and social conditioning and and all the things that go into making us who we are in our maiden years and then not necessarily deconstructing that in a negative way, but rather uh, investigating it, you know, more thoroughly and really engaging in this self-inquiry and this understanding. I know you know this from yoga of this idea that we already have all the answers that we know, you know, inherently within us who we are and who we need to be and um, and how beautiful it is that you are a different mother to your daughter than I am to my daughter. And that that's exactly how it's supposed to be. You know, you're, we are both in this mother archetype phase, so to speak. Um, but we sit in that space very differently and we hold it very differently. And, um, you know, I love too hearing all these stories. And my hope is that with sharing what you shared and what other women have shared and will share is that there is this archetype of the mother, but she is not a one size fits all, you know, and, and you have met your daughters where they are with what you have available to you and the skills you have acquired and the values and beliefs that have brought you to this space. And I have done the same. And, uh, My hope is that by sharing, we support and uplift one another and inspire one another and continue to be these amazing, you know, women and grow. And it's, I love that you have really touched on the fact that Thea has gotten to see you transition because in, um, in my mother archetype, uh, episode, I actually confessed that I'm, I'm five years into being a mom of three and I just recently feel like I have stepped into the role of motherhood fully, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's not overnight. It doesn't happen when our babies leave our bodies. It is, it's a, it's a journey. It's a, it's a road. It's, it's a path, um, that we have to, uh, we have to really traverse on our own. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but with the support of one another in sharing, just as we are here. Um yeah, I I really one thing that you mentioned that really, I think, was a from an outside point of view um, was a profound turning point in your journey was your recognition that nothing is guaranteed or promised mm-hmm. that. and And, you know, correct me if you feel differently, but I feel like that is almost that initiating step. From being a maiden to a mother, you know, the, the maiden is this exuberant, you know, um, desirable, creative, expressive, sexual thing and kind of sees the world as this um, adventure to discover and explore and um, to really take risks, you know, and, and see where the boundaries are and, and where we can um, glean the wisdom that we seek. And then it's in the motherhood role that we realize, OK, you know, here's some reality checks and here's the actual um, foundation of life in that things are fleeting. And you can take that to a negative or a positive place. Right. And it sounds like you really took it to a beautiful place. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I agree. I think that a lot of the journey into motherhood has to do with surrendering control mm-hmm. and then finding acceptance with what is. Because, uh, you know, one of my trainers, my prenatal yoga teachers, Jessica Jennings of Ma Yoga, she says that if, if pre- uh, conception, like if, if becoming pregnant, Doesn't teach you that you're not in control, then pregnancy will teach you that you're not in control. And if pregnancy doesn't teach you you're not in control, then birth will. And if birth doesn't, then nursing will. And if nursing doesn't, then rearing child, children will, Mm -hmm. right? So it's like at some point and likely multiple points, there is the, the moment where we confront that I don't have the power to change the reality of my situation.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, women who want to get pregnant and we can't snap our fingers. We're not, we are in control of that. Um, we aren't in control of how our pregnancy goes. We aren't in control of how our birth goes and so on and so forth. And so it's almost like we have these loving nudges <laughs> like, Hey, guess what? <laughs> get ready. Mm-hmm. You're not in control. No, you're really, really not in control. No, 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 you don't get it. You're, you're not in control. control. <laughs> like and and then we have teenagers someday.
1: Oh god. Yeah.
2: And, and so it's it's really benefited me that I made that choice early on to lighten my grip, to trust the process. And to surrender the notion that I know better, right? Mm-hmm. Because now I have a a fairly mature 10-year-old that has a lot of ideas that are very different than my ideas. Mm-hmm. And instead of spending energy trying to change her mind, trying to get her to be different, trying to convince her, reason with her, explain to her why it's this way, Or, or, um, attempt to behavior offering or withholding my approval. I mean, that's like a go-to parent move is we, we think that when we withhold our approval that we can change our children's behavior Mm -hmm. and it's not the case. It's, it's, um, it's a flawed system. (laughs) And so, Surrendering early on in the process of the fact that I didn't want to be pregnant and I was. Yeah. And, and making the decision to, to trust has been something that I can call on time and time again when I'm confronted with something that I don't like or that I can't change or that's painful or uncomfortable. I get to make that choice again and again and every time I make it, it gets easier and I, and I remember faster because I, I forget and I get into that place where I'm trying to manage and manipulate the situation even though it looks like I'm trying to help or I'm trying to be loving or I'm trying to whatever. The reality is, is I'm trying to control some outcome or circumstance to make myself feel more comfortable and that's not possible. What makes me feel really comfortable is accepting things as they are and moving from that place, that surrendered, relaxed place. That's when I can take action. That's more in, that's more informed, that's more wise, that's more clear. And that's what my yoga practice and my Reiki tools and all the things that I've spent, you know, the last dozen years developing is the reason I practice those things on a daily basis is because it makes the, the shift from trying to control to stepping into to faith, it makes that shift easier because I practice it all the time.
1: Yeah. And that's really, I think, that one thing that um, socially we're not really conditioned, especially in this fast-paced world. It's more we just need the quick fix. Mm-hmm. You know, how, can I, um, how can I make this better for myself right now? And then once I do this, then I'll be better every time. And uh it it just it doesn't work like that in any realm, whether you're uh a maiden, a mother, you know, or you're in the stages of you know being a man, a page, a you know, squire, knight, whatever the 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 phases, it's just a constant practice. And I think the combination of what you said where nothing is guaranteed or promised, but you have a certainty that all is well. Mm-hmm. I mean, that right there is, I think, not even the foundation of being a mother, but the foundation of being what we label as an adult, mm-hmm. you know, and and really that transition from our childlike phase and development um, into this. OK, here is the world. And I recognize the world does not stop mm-hmm. for me. Um, and I have to keep moving and I have to keep the faith, just like you have said, and, and finding that trust. And, um, yeah, I mean, thanks, Kel. That was just, that was magic. I really, I really appreciate all of that. By the way, what is your love language? You were saying that you really, you like to, uh, you know, give hair, you know, hair strokes and all that stuff. I do the same thing, but what is your personal love language? um definitely
2: affection okay um and words words yeah. of affirmation big time yeah. um and you know my daughter thea it's very clear that she's a gift giver
0: and, <laughs> um
2: and receiver and so that is her love language big time and it's really adorable because she has been my teacher as all of our children are, but I really feel like my daughter Jenny so far has, has more, um, kind of solidified and started to heal some wounds.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Whereas my daughter Thea has in these really distinct and tangible ways taught me, taught me, uh, to open my eyes and shift my perspective a little bit because Thea is the type of girl that doesn't even have her bathing suit, but if we're at the ocean, she wants to go in. And I'm the girl that's like, but it's cold and it's sandy. (laughs) And, and you know, I'm, I'm the one who at Christmas time, I think gift giving is so overwhelming. It freaks me out. I get anxious. I don't know what to get. So then I end up getting someone a gift card that is meaningless. And, and she's like, From September, like literally, we it's just now October, and she's already for weeks been talking about Christmas gifts and making Christmas gifts and planning what she's going to do. And so she, by just virtue virtue of being who she is, she's awakened maiden qualities in me that Mm -hmm. I didn't even really get to express as a maiden, like as a child, I was very timid. I was um, always wanted to be comfortable. So I didn't, I've, I've still never been skiing or snowboarding. Like I've never done adventurous things because I was worried about getting hurt. I was worried about being uncomfortable. I was, I was scared of the unknown. And then here I was gifted this child who is Fearless, bold, confident, um, tough. I mean, she just has all these qualities. So it's really cool that even just even our love languages are different. You know, she doesn't care if I write her a card. She wants me to make her something, um, or, you know, get her something that she had said and I thought about it. And what's so tender is that she writes me cards because she knows that I love cards. And so it's really sweet to get to have that relationship with her.
1: That is amazing. And I I love that you touched on the fact that it is oftentimes our children that bring us back to our maiden stage and that chapter in our lives. And they almost become our healers. Wouldn't you agree of those scars and wounds from our maiden, you know, period and, um, I don't know that that is such a tremendous gift. And for me, that was when I came to that realization, especially well for all of my children. um, But, you know, even more so with my daughter, Um, I was the same way, Kels having those, you know, I didn't know if I could fully be myself because I didn't want to rock the boat. And, um, and you know, now I see my daughter just, I mean, she is just unapologetically herself mm-hmm. and it is, um, such a gift for me to get to witness that and then subsequently almost being given permission to do the same as an adult you know um, I've had this thought a lot lately about how we do have this rite of passage from the maiden to the mother however there is um, I feel like so much pressure to like Just dismiss your maiden self. Like now you're a mother. So here's your expectations and here's your, um, to do list. And this is what a mother looks like. And this is what a mother does. And, you know, fill in the blank with all the things. And, um, it's that release of our maiden self, our childhood, our, um, our childlike state really that I think is almost detrimental to us as women. Because if we take everything so seriously, you know, and then we have these children that want to play. It's not surprising that we look at our children as a block or as, um, you know, an inconvenience because we are, feel like we have to be the adult and they want to be the kid and we can't meet on that same level. Does that even make sense? Oh, it makes total sense. And,
2: and I think that, um, the opportunity to model for our children yes. what it looks like to be a whole person. Yes. a whole person that, that embodies all qualities and can, and can let them rise to the surface in different contexts. Right. Like I have a fierceness, like I can be mama bear. Like I am, I can be bold. I can let that come out. Mm-hmm. And I can also be really soft mm-hmm. and I can be um, I can allow someone to to take the lead and I can step back and I can be guided. Right. I can, I can, um, not like a chameleon who's trying to please the world, but like a whole, like a whole person that has, um, nuance and layer and dynamic that I can express these different parts of myself and not a single one of them encapsulates all of me, but all of them are me. Yes, and I think that that's been really, really important for me in my marriage is to allow for all components of Kelsey to be brought to light and to have their time in the sun and to not spend too much time operating in one frequency but to remember that I am a whole being. And that, you know, even, even the, the sad, the sad somber parts of me, they need time in the sun Mm -hmm. or the, you know, the vivacious, like explosive, um, erotic sides of me. Those need just as much attention as, Mm -hmm. you know, the pensive spiritual sides of me or the compassionate, nurturing servant sides of me, right? And I think that's where we really fail. um, Well, we fail humanity because when we fail to allow space for that in women, when we fail to encourage that in women, then we are left with mothers who don't have the skill of self-expression. And when we have mothers that don't have the skill of self-expression, then we have children that are never taught Mm-hmm. how to embody all the parts of themselves and if we have children that are never never taught how to embody that then we have women that don't know how to do it right. and so it's it's like our responsibility which is why I think this podcast is so important birth work is so important um all of these healing modalities is because we are intercepting we're stepping in and we're saying it doesn't have to be this way. We don't have to continue with a narrow view of what womanhood is. We don't have to continue with a narrow view of what motherhood is. And and in blowing that open, we're really freeing everyone. It frees it frees, you know, non-binary identifying individuals. It frees men, it frees children, it frees everybody.
1: hmm well, and I mean, I, I, I am a firm believer that if we as women are the ones to offer and, and, and display quote unquote permission to be and sit in all of our elements and let those be exposed, um, then we then, you know, are, inviting the masculine and our children to do the same i mean you know we may live in a system that is masculine dominated but in reality it's you know the the expression i always think of is the the man may be the head of the house but the woman is the neck you know and can turn the head wherever she wants and um i think that we as women haven't quite stepped into that role fully yet mainly because i think At least I experienced this, and it sounds like you might have, too, some social conditioning as a little girl of what is proper and acceptable um, expressions of the feminine that really went against a lot of my instincts and intuition, you know, especially around uh, sex and relationships and connection and what that feels like. And how it feels good for me versus what, um, you know, we have stated is appropriate within our culture. Um, which then, you know, when you have those different, I don't know, that like, I'll just call it scaffolding around you for so long, you really do lose um, your full expression. The expression, I believe, that your soul is supposed to find on this earth, you know. And so then... We have women transitioning into motherhood and rearing new souls and spirits on this earth and they themselves are a bit lost and, um, not fully secure and sure of who they are and what their greatest expression is meant to be on this earth. If that makes any sense. Um, and I don't know, I, 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 yeah, I mean, we could go so many different ways with that. I'm sure right now, Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> what are your thoughts, if anything?
2: Yeah, I think it's true. I think it's, you know, it's not, it's not a woman's issue, you know, it's a, it's a human being issue. Right. Um, to, to be denied any part of yourself is, is detrimental to the individual and it's detrimental to the society because when, when men are, um, pressured, Against embodying their feminine, mm-hmm. then when they step into the role of father, they have a hard time softening into fatherhood, which requires a lot of feminine energy. Mm-hmm. And, and then women I've, a lot of women I've worked with that are new mothers really step into the masculine when they become a mother, which is so interesting. You might, I mean, it seems like it would be the opposite, but I know a lot of women, they step into the doing. Yes. And the, and the containing, which yes. is pretty masculine and, uh, and in, in stepping so boldly into the masculine where there's, you know, not a whole lot of space for their, if they have a masculine partner, um, they've kind of taken up all that room. They've kind of taken up all the masculine space and then their partner a lot of times is kind of forced either to kind of move away meaning they need to go be masculine uh they need more space because they need to be masculine away from the masculine energy or they start to soften into femininity and then they're resented for it right so it's just this really interesting because the polarity of the feminine and the masculine the receptivity and the and the penetration like those 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 poles Aren't strictly gender. They're not. They're not about you know male female bodies. It's about qualities that we express. And so, you know, when we free each other, all of ourselves—children, mothers, fathers, men, women—across the spectrum. When we're free to be a whole being, then we all win. We all benefit from that.
1: Absolutely. I beautifully put, absolutely beautifully put. I couldn't agree more. Oh my. I love talking to you. Um, I do too. <laughs> okay. okay. I have questions that I feel like you've kind of already answered, but I'm curious to see if anything new comes up because, um, I think our conversation could go on for hours. So, um, let's see. My, my first question for you, how would you describe your personal expression of the maiden archetype?
2: I would say, um, laughter, mm. spontaneity, openness, uncertainty, um, the sort of the purity and the innocence of
1: not knowing mm. I I feel like that feels
2: feel like my maiden
1: self. Yeah. That was such a fun time to be uncertain in a playful way. I, I miss that dearly. And you know,
2: I never had that. I I can't. I'm actually more maiden now than I've ever been. I mm-hmm. I didn't have a maiden-y childhood, um, mm. and I and then I became a mom at 19, and so I didn't ever have that um, experience of getting to know her. And mm-hmm. so I've actually gotten to know her and begun expressing her more, probably in the last year than I ever have. That's beautiful. I'm yeah. so glad
1: that you've gotten to do that.
2: Mm, thanks. <laughs>
1: I mean, it's such a healthy part of, you know, just really, I don't, I hate the phrase finding yourself because you, you've never been lost, but, uh, sort of kind of discovering your, your deepest caverns of wisdom, you know, and, and understanding of, of, uh, what it means to be alive, you know, as, as Kelsey, you know, not let alone as a woman. Um, I love that. If you could go back in time, and give your sweet maiden self one piece of advice, what would it be? Your
2: heart is yours to keep. You don't need to give it away.
0: Mm.
1: That's really good. That's really good. Um, What has been, you've kind of already answered this, but I'll be curious to see if something new comes up. Um, What has been the most profound lesson you have learned as a mother? I would say that um,
2: I can change my experience by changing
1: my attitude. Nice. Yeah. Some good one-liners in here, Kelsey. <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> like you just have meme after meme of some of the I love that. Thank you for that. Um, you are a birth worker as well. Recently kind of joining this this uh, this realm, this world um how do you see our society support the mother archetype and then subsequently hinder the mother archetype
2: i think recently um the the circles of women that have been coming together across backgrounds and um Using not only using their voice, but but providing space to listen and to allow other women's voices to be heard, I think, is making a big difference because we have a lot to learn. And the more that we think we know, I think the more danger that we're in of unintentionally continuing to oppress and suppress mm. what is the most supportive for women and people across the board. So the more humility that we hold on to that, um, you know, what, what we know is always part of the picture and keep holding on to that, that truth, having the wisdom to know that we don't see the whole picture and giving other people platform to share their experience and suspend our judgment of, of what we think it is, um, I think is something that we're doing well right now. Yeah. To support all women, all mothers.
1: I love that. How do you think that she, the, I was going
0: to say she, the mother archetype is being hindered? Um,
2: I think that the way that women have taken on so much masculinity Mm -hmm. has hindered the mother um, because There is this, you know, I've seen these memes about like, oh, how to be a mom in 2019. And it's like a list of 7,000 things, <laughs> yeah. right? But, but here's the thing is we have to take responsibility for that. Right. We, we have to take responsibility that that's what it's come to. No one outside of ourselves has done that to us. And I think a lot of times there is this mindset of, uh, you know, when we see ways in which society on a broader scale has systems and structures and institutions that work against us, we, we start to blame those institutions, those structures rather than take responsibility for our part and oh. say, what is it in me that is contributing to this or tolerating it or allowing it? You know, and, and how can I show up in a way that's going to dismantle these things rather than just putting the blame on the structure. And I think, you know, the one, one thing I've seen most women, including myself do is we've, we've become over masculinized and then we've shamed the world for not treating us like feminine beings.
1: Yes. Oh my God. Uh Oh, yes. 100%. And I feel like there is this, um, I don't know, this imbalance, this, uh, almost conflict w- within women of, you know, inwardly, we, we really do know what it means to be a woman, which is that gentleness, that nurturing, that, um, compassion, but also that fire and that, um, that I want to just use the word feistiness that both of those things are what make us woman and what our world needs. But the masculine is so simple, you know, comparatively. And so we've tried to take on this simplistic lifestyle and view of the world, and it just doesn't match our hardwiring, you know. Mm -hmm. And so there's this internal conflict. And so it's easy. It's so much easier to point the finger outside of ourselves, you know, for our blame, for our struggles and our, um, suffering than to just like you said, say, okay, well, this is the system that I have actually contributed to. This is my doing as much as anybody else's. So the only part of the world that I can control, if you really want to return to that concept, is how I approach things. And I'm not going to allow you know these these social notions to impact the way that I mother. And that's really hard because it means then you have to go against the quote unquote norm, mm-hmm. and you're going to possibly, um, from outside people, but even more so from yourself, feel like an outcast or feel like the the black sheep in a way because you haven't bought into what um, what seems to be again the norm, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's a struggle, right, of of really. Of really figuring that out and, and part of taking responsibility. I've been listening to a lot of Jordan Peterson lately and his big thing is that by taking responsibility, you then, um, acquire meaning, mm-hmm. you know, so taking responsibility as women for, um, what we have allowed to be defined as a mother. And then, okay, this is what we've allowed to be the, the, um, I don't know, the image of a woman and a mother. Now, how can I find some purpose and meaning in shifting that first for myself, and then for you know my children and my spouse or partner, and then for the world outside of me? Wow. Um, I think that's huge. I really, yeah, I couldn't agree more, Kelsey. I think that that's that's really huge. I had a friend the other day, um, a male friend. Talk to me about the difference between men and women. And he just, he kept coming back to this idea. He's like, you know, you guys are just so complicated. You know, you guys are just so, there's just so much in you and so much emotion and so much um, energy. And he just kept pressing on this idea of he's like, you know, men are just real simple. We'll just say what we want. And uh, we're direct and forward. And, um, you know, okay, this is what we need. And I kind of had to sit back and, <laughs> work to not take that as somewhat of an insult because this wasn't a friend of mine. Uh, and I know he did not mean it that way. Um, but then I, I, once I thought about it and didn't take it offensively, obviously I realized, and I said this to him, I said, well, you know, if, if everyone was like that very simple, direct, just to the point and kind of, I don't know, a blah in my opinion, then where would be the excitement? where would be the, the, the dark and light? You know, I think that the feminine is what brings to our world, um, the range of emotions, you know what I mean? Not to say that men don't have range of emotions. Of course they do. And I think part of the problem is we don't give them permission to explore that on a lot of levels. And that's a whole other, um, discussion, but, um, I think men inherently are pretty simple. My son's, my oldest son is very simple. He just, this is what I want. And if I don't get it, OK, I'm going to have an emotion about it and then I'm going to move on. You know, whereas women hold things and we um, we carry things. Um, but I feel like that's what the role of the feminine is supposed to be, is we are supposed to make waves and bring attention to things and bring the emotion into things, because it's those things that enrich life and give us um, passion and drive and perseverance and resilience is our ability to harness these emotions in a, in a very healthy way. Um, and it, it's what I think adds, you know, I always look at women as we're the spice mm-hmm. We're the meal and we are the spice and the meal can be very nourishing and, um, nutritious and valuable, but it's the spice that keeps you coming back for It keeps you taking more and more bites. Yeah. And, <laughs> Um, Okay, last question. What wisdom do you have to share for those who are beginning to or currently moving through this transition of maiden to mother?
2: Be where you are. You know, it's it's um, so tempting to. Try to plan the, the, the perfect birth, if you're pregnant, you're trying to plan the perfect birth or if, you know, your, your child, the toddler, you're trying to plan the perfect, you know, preschool or whatever the case may be, um, to really be where you are and embrace the wholeness of that experience, you know? So if you're grieving, be with grief. If, you know, if you're joy, joyful, be with joy, like to just be where you are with your whole heart, not, not be with you are to grit your teeth and bear it and get to the other side of it, but really be where you are. And that, that goes for birth too, you know, when we can really be with it, not, Oh, let me, let me clench my teeth and curl my toes and get through this contraction. No, like be with the contraction, like open up to it, let it in, let it flow through you be receptive Be receptive to the moment as it's showing
1: up without condition. Yeah, beautiful. Easier said than done, but a great start.
2: For sure, for (laughs) sure. But when that's the practice, when that's the mindset, it makes all the difference. It doesn't mean we do it perfectly, but it it means that we're that we remain open.
1: Yes, I think that's key. Oh, Kels, you Mm -hmm. are just a light. We are just our world is so lucky to have you. And I personally am so lucky to have you in my, my circle of family and friends. And it just means the world that we got to connect today and, and talk about something that I know we're both passionate about, which is women and their, their beautiful expressions in this world. So mm-hmm. uh, thank you so much for your time. And I want, um, I have no doubt there are women who have listen, been listening to your story that really want to connect with you and continue to glean from your, your wisdom. Um, so how can our listeners find you and what are your offerings that they may be able to, um, to learn from you?
2: Well, thank you. I, it's been a pleasure to talk and, and I do love building relationships. So I would love to connect with your listeners. They can find me on Instagram at Kelsey Delane Yoga. Um, and Facebook, Kelsey Delane Yoga. And then on my website, KelseyDelaneYoga.com. So basically, um, my, my passion is heart to heart relationships. And mm-hmm. so I provide one on one mentorship. And I also do mother circles and Reiki trainings. And I teach group yoga asana classes as well. So, um, yeah, they can kind of and see what I'm doing. I, I do birth work. I limit the births that I actually attend. But right now I am working on scheduling some birth education and postpartum prep workshops. So um, they can stay tuned for that as well, probably here locally in Irvine or Tustin.
1: Nice. Oh, that's yeah. Mark. And I can speak from personal experience uh, for Kelsey's mentorship. She was my mentor for eight weeks, um, through, I would say one of the most difficult periods of my entire life up until this point. And, um, I, without getting super emotional, um, uh, any woman, any woman who needs, um, just a loving ear to, uh, listen and to hold space for them. Kelsey is, uh, Kelsey's where you should head. She is she's got such a gift and, um, it's, it's amazing. So I will leave all of your contact information in our, um, notes from the podcast, but again, Kelsey, I love you so dearly. And thank you so much for spending this time with me. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you for,
2: and for letting your story be an example to all of us of just the, the different unique ways that we walk this journey, and that it's not a destination, it really is a continual unfolding. So, thank you for
1: being you. Mm, thank you, love.
0: I want to thank you for spending part of your day here with us. Hopefully, you have found some new inspiration, strength, and courage to move forward on your journey. Until we connect again. I see you and I love you.